Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a rugby league podcast. My name is Bo Nicholson and I'm your host. I'm joined tonight by Kieran Gibson. Uh, Miles Stedman is unable to join us this evening. A big shout out to our listeners in Hornsby in the northern suburbs of Sydney. We hope you're enjoying the show. And of course, to our regular friend of the podcast, Owen. In this week's episode, we'll be doing a premiership power ranking of the top eight NRL sides, choosing who the top five centres in the game are, announcing the Above the Horizontal Awards for Round 18, and making predictions for Round 19. But first, let's get into the bold predictions from Round 18. Mine was that at the end of the round, the Broncos would be at the bottom of the ladder. And when the Bulldogs were winning 10-0 against the Seagulls, I have to admit, I was feeling pretty good about myself, Kieran, but unfortunately, the Seagulls uh, overran the Bulldogs quite comfortably in the end, which meant that the Broncos losing to the Titans was all for naught. But perhaps... They'll be at the bottom of the ladder at the end of this round. Uh, our good friend Miles suggested that Sammy Bill Williams would run for at least 50 metres and produce three offloads in a big Roosters win. Sunny Bill ran for 100 metres and produced three offloads in a big Roosters win. So that's a tick for Miles. Well done to you, Miles, wherever you are listening from. And Kieran, your prediction was, <laughs> I remember, quite long-winded. It was that in the Panthers and Eels game, Neither side would score more than 12 points in either half. Did you pull that one off? I didn't quite. I was actually cheering before it pulled off because I was sure it was going to happen because as I predicted, I I predicted a a defensively resolute game. Um, And then Jerome Luai scored in the 79th minute to and in front of the post, Cleary was never going to miss. So Luai scored. They had scored 12 points in the second half. And then Cleary, of course, had the the uh, conversion to make it 14 and I was half hoping they'd just forget about it and go home (laughs) (laughs) you were so close my friend so close we've got to give the points to Miles though Miles is bang on the money you were like 90% and I uh, well let's not discuss that (laughs) we (laughs) we have received some uh, correspondence from uh, a listener to the show uh, Tim Thank you, Tim. He has emailed us at our Gmail, which is above the horizontal NRL at gmail.com. And Tim wants us to rank the top eight into how likely they are to win the competition. Thanks for that one, Tim. We'll do our best. Uh, all right, time for the Premiership Power Ranking, Kieran. Miles is not here to give us his, but in last week's episode, he suggested that the Panthers will win the competition. So I think he has them at number one. Um, But suffice to say that if it wasn't the Panthers, it's probably the Storm of the Roosters, if I know Miles as well as I do. But let's see where we land on this, Kieran. I want to start with my number eight, which is the Sharks. I I just don't think the Sharks have the quality to beat any of the teams above them on this list. So I expect the Sharks to be bundled out of the finals in the first week. Who's your number eight? I do think the Sharks could possibly cause an upset in week one, depending on who they play. But even but even with a, a dazzling inform Sean Johnson and a powerful forward pack, I, I don't expect them to go any further than that at best. Yeah, they've they've been um, and Johnson has been in good form, but um, there's been a little bit of inconsistency in that in those halves, yeah. and and they don't seem to know what their best forward pack is even at this stage uh, with Talakai mm-hmm. being in and out of the starting side. So um, yeah, Sharks are number eight for me. Number seven for me, Kieran, are the Knights. I I know that they have the explosive ability to beat and trouble a lot of good sides, particularly with a guy like Clint and Ponga in their team, and if he's if he hits his stride, 
just about anything yeah. could happen. But I just don't think they have the the strike to go with the with the big boys. It's an achievement for them to get into the top eight. They haven't been there for a long, long time. Um, but I think the first week of the finals is about as far as they'll go. Who do you have at number seven? Uh, I too have the Knights, and I, I so nearly had them at six. Um, something tells me they will be raring to go for finals footy with a point to prove. Obviously, the last few years of, of slightly underperforming suggests that a bit too. However, they, they have a captain who has won a grand final, and one of, if not the best, young player in the comp who you just mentioned in Kalen Ponga. Uh, I, I actually think some big dis- disappointing defeats this season will help and not hinder their finals charge, but I still couldn't really put them any higher than seven. Yeah, and I think that that speaks to the quality of, or at least who I have at number six, and I imagine you may as well, it's the Rabbitohs. Mm. I understand that Latrell Mitchell is a big loss for the Rabbitohs, and I'm, I'm fairly confident they won't see him again this year. He is a loss. Corey Allen's doing a pretty good job there, and Alex Johnson could also slot in the fullback quite nicely, but the rest of their spine is in pretty good touch, particularly Cody Walker. I, I do expect that the Rabbitohs should be strong enough to progress through the first week of the finals, um, but will probably be bundled out by one of the stronger teams. So I've got the Rabbitohs at number six, just edging out the Knights. Who do you have at number six? After this weekend, I possibly could have moved them up one more position if they played really well, but I've actually got the Eels at number six. I just think their form is worrying. It's not panic stations, but they need Mahi back and firing, and I, I believe they can actually make the prelims. So to make the prelims for me as putting them a, as a, at a power ranking of six would be a very good season in my opinion. However, it will be a huge task, and I can't see them going any further than the, the prelim. And that's the reason I've got them at number five. Uh, I, I understand that they're currently inside the top four, but... They just have not looked like a top four side for a good solid six weeks now. They they yeah. they've they've just gone absolutely sideways in attack. Dylan Brown not being there is a big loss for them. He uh, he really straightens up their attack. Where Mitchell Moses seems a bit more happy to kind of direct, not dig into the line, and mm. I, I think it's going to hurt them in the big games this year. So Eels are my number five. I'm going to go ahead and assume that the Rabbitohs are your number five. Yes, indeed, and uh, the actual re- the, the reason behind this was because I, I just think the, the halves combination of the Rabbitohs at the moment is going that good. I, ha- I had to have them above the Eels. They just need to put an 80-minute performance together in the finals consistently, and they will be a real smoky for me. They went toe-to-toe with Melbourne for 60 weeks, or 60 minutes, sorry, two weeks ago, and blew the Eels off the park, I think, the week before. And as I said, I, I love their halves combination at the moment and the way they are taking control of the team. Brilliant. So that gets us into the top four. Uh, that means that we basically have, we both have the Raiders in our top four uh, who are from outside the literal top four at the moment, which I, I think yeah. speaks to how highly we rate the Raiders and also the experience they would have gleaned from last year's campaign reaching all the way into the grand final. So I can see the Raiders going to a prelim and that's why I have them at number four. I think being outside the, the the literal top four in the competition will hinder them, um, but mm. not not enough to stop them from getting to the prelims. They have a lot of uh, big game experience there after their recent uh, campaigns, and they're. Surpri- I, I'm shocked. I'm genuinely shocked that they're playing as well as they are without Josh Hodgson. Um, but they are, and and it's a credit to Saliba Habili and. Tom Starling, as well as guys like George Williams and Jack Whiten, who's really found a bit of a purple patch in the last little while. So while the Roosters made pretty light work of them a couple of weeks ago, so I think they're just like that next tier down from the top three, the Raiders are number four for me. What's your number four? 
yeah, I've got the Raiders, and um, I think for that same exact same reason, they're a tier down uh, or below the top three. Um, however, they have shown enough to me suggest they are the dark horses of the competition. Um, they've beaten the Storm and Roosters this season, both in classy performances, even if they just outlasted the Roosters. In addition to their ability to pile on points, which you mentioned as well, in a game, they can also score any moment, which is a huge threat against their opposition. And something tells me Ricky will have a few trick plays for his squad come finals footy, and I think the squad will adapt perfectly. They've got the grittiness in them to go all the way. However, I just rate the sides above them more. So those slides above them, the Storm, the Panthers, and the Roosters, they are who everyone is talking about. So suffice to say that we, Kieran and I, both think the Raiders would be the dark horse. They're, they're the ones that could spring an upset, and on their day, they can beat anybody. My number three is going to surprise somebody. It's going <laughs> to surprise Kieran. My number three is the Storm. And okay. I've got a feeling you'll have them higher on the list, Kieran, because <laughs> the, the, the Storm are such a classy team and they have been for a decade and a half now uh not including of course their salary cap rorts but the storm <laughs> the storm I'm, I'm sure are not doing that anymore uh they've got ryan pappenhausen who seems to have a little a few injury concerns and i something i noticed when the storm played against the cowboys last week is that pappenhausen has enough confidence and speed and skill to execute plays particularly down that left side with justin olam and Josh Adokar a little bit more fluently than Nico Hines, who is trying his best and looks a very good player himself, but he's just not the same class as Pappenhausen. And Pappenhausen's pace really unlocks... He, he adds that extra threat that makes Cameron Munster so dangerous on that side as well. So I think if Pappenhausen doesn't get back on the park to full strength before the finals, I think the Storm are just missing one piece too many. They've already got a halfback who's relatively makeshift. He, he does an okay job Jerome Hughes, but they really rely heavily on Pappenhausen, Munster and Smith to get them over the line. If Pappenhausen isn't at his best, I think they could be out in the preliminary finals. Who do you have at number three? Um, this is also going to be a, a surprise to a lot of people, I'm sure, but I've got the, the Roosters. Um, and although this by no means says I'm writing them off, as Trent Robinson is the master of finals football and will have his players fresh for this time of year. If you're comparing their spine to the other spines in the competition, in all honesty, and this is probably another surprise, I would have them as the third best spine. They have tinkered with their squad a lot this year, which I have actually liked, and Robinson has uh, freshened up his players a lot, as I already mentioned, which I also really like heading into the finals. Um, as our friend of the podcast, uh, Daniel, pointed out that the week off will be huge. I just think in, in the week one of the finals, I haven't actually checked this stat, but I really like the Storm in week one of the finals. And from memory, I, well, I, I can't remember the last time they've lost week one. So I think it'll be Storm Roosters in week one, and I think Storm will advance to the prelim. And that will mean that the Roosters will have to, to fight out four games to go for the three-peat, which I think will just be too much. Right. I, you know, I can I can recall one game that the Storm lost in the first week of finals, and I feel like it was way back in the day when the Warriors yeah. beat them. I think it was like 18-15 or oh, something. Oh, yeah. It was some absurd scoreline like that, and that was that was a heck of a game and a bit of an upset, if memory serves. So, But you're right, the Storm, and they're a big game team, aren't they? they got that much class yeah. in their team. Yeah. Putting them at number three and putting the Roosters at number three, 
like it's, it's not writing them off uh and we're not going to write off number two either my number two is the panthers they have been well above expectations and i i feel like we should have seen it coming the way that these juniors just keep coming through they keep churning them out and the and the, the discipline that they have with their salary cap to let go of guys like Corey harawira naira because or Regan Campbell-Gillard, because they, they're earning more cash elsewhere. They're getting bigger offers, and the Panthers have the discipline to say, no, thank you, and invested in their youth. And instead of Corey Harawira and Naira, they now have Liam Martin. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, like, they just keep finding these players uh, who keep doing the job in saying that um, sometimes you need to lose one to win one. That's not always the case, obviously. The West Tigers in 2005 are a good example of that. The Cowboys 2015 didn't lose any recent grand finals before that. So, you know, there's plenty of times where that doesn't happen. Sharks are another one. But I just there's just something about the Panthers. I just can't see them winning this year. They're, they're at the very start of their window for mine, and it could be a very, very lucrative window by the time it closes. But I've got them at number two. What say you? Yeah, I've got the Panthers as well, and I, I would agree they're in a, a massive premiership window that looks very lucrative and honestly like it could last for a very long time. Um, as you said, they've got that great junior system where they just seem to keep churning out great young talent, and uh, it doesn't seem to it doesn't appear as if it will stop anytime soon. So, um, yeah, their premiership window is will be for a long, long time. I don't know if it'll be this year. Um, definitely they can make the grand final and from there obviously anything can happen but they have looked a little rusty in the last few weeks um, with Cleary and Coruscant or Cleary not at his best and Coruscant in and out of the side with injury which worries me a little um, about what kind of form he'll be in coming into the finals having not played a lot um, Edwards and Luai have really stepped up though in their um, their absence of the form of the other two of the spine. Um, this quality of their spine alone would just about push any side into the final series, which I just had to pick them at number two. Um, I, th- I think I said last week as well, they're the best, I believe at least, the, the best momentum side. Once they get on a roll, um, they really dominate the game. Um, mm-hmm. I think you could easily make cases for the Roosters and Storm in that department, but I just think the control of Cleary is just ridiculous. I had to have them at number two above the Roosters, and... Uh, I'd, I'd love to see them go all the way. I would also like that too, uh, but I've got a feeling there's going to be a three-peat, and I think the Roosters are my number one at this stage, and I've been saying this for a little while, because the Roosters have not been, they were not at their best about a month ago. They had a lot of injuries, and I I just kept saying to this podcast and, and to myself, really, because I like to talk to myself. That's just a weird thing <laughs> I do, Kieran. It's, it's, the nature of, it's a nature of a podcaster. Uh, you really are just talking to yourself in front of a computer. And um, I just, I kind of knew that, you know, Angus Crichton was just around the corner, you know, and now he's come back and played an excellent game against the Knights. Uh, Boyd Cordner's there. Josh Morris, Brett Morris... Daniel Tupo, they're all in the team at the same time now. Joseph Manu. Uh, and they have the ability to rest guys now, and they are taking advantage of that this week. I I just I, I like the way that they're just building towards something. And you and you say that they have the th- the third best spine of that top three. While that yeah. might be true, yeah. it's still a damn good spine. I mean Jake Friend's not at his best, hasn't been for a long time. Um, and Sam Virils is actually probably quite a significant injury 
uh, in that sense because he was a good rotation uh, option for the, the Roosters there. But oh, to really? have to have Luke Keary and James Tedesco sitting outside the top two spines in the comp just is something I I don't agree with. I I, I do think Kyle Flanagan's fresh and young and all that sort of stuff and Jay Friends one of his best but Kiri and Tedesco whew, yeah sorry and yeah. Like, you know as, as you as you said like Cleary Coruscant Edwards Luai Munster Smith Pappenhausen like they're good spines as well but goodness um roosters for me and Sonny Bill yeah like they'll they'll be managing him along he'll probably be quite handy <laughs> come finals time yeah. so roosters Roosters for me, who I, I I have done the maths. Obviously, you have the Tigers at number one. Ah, uh, no, not not quite. Um, but they can still sneak into the the top eight. But I, I think the Storm will probably just just pip them. Um, I have the Storm as my premiership favourites. Although a lot hinges on the fitness of of who you mentioned earlier, Ryan Pappenhausen, who was out for a, a second week with a a pesky injury that I've actually had this year as well, an Achilles, and I know just how serious they can be. Um, so I'm a little worried about that, to be honest. But if he's back and his Achilles is fine, I have to have them at number one. Um, and apologies for the slight dad joke here, um, but surely the goat's belly will be aching for more premiership success in what could be his last season. And whether they will be 1% better than their op- opposition or better by a mile, I can foresee more joy and elation for the men in purple. I look across their squad and the number of match winners is ridiculous. From Pappenhausen, who snapped that beautifully struck field goal versus the Roosters in round eight to send the game to extra time, who was pivotal throughout that match, to Munster and his virtuoso display against the Rabbitohs in round four. A first week final against the Roosters does loom as a reality for them. However, they have beaten them twice this season. And if they win that, I'll be tipping them to win their fourth title. Um, I also, just to add a little bit on, I, I was listening to what you said about the Roosters. I also, the Storm haven't purposely done this, but um, they've also rested, or sorry, they've had players out because of injury and suspension. Um, Jesse Bromwich was out for a week or two. Kenny Bromwich was out injured. I think he had a hand injury. Uh, Pappenhausen at the moment. Um, Munster has been in and out. And whilst I, I actually said that that worried me about the other teams, I just think the fact that the Storm have been here and done that at the business end of the season so often that the longest of any club in the competition I, I think that's really going to count and that the freshness of their players um, will really help uh, Brandon Smith will be back he could be back this week as well um, I, I think they have too many trump cards to to let um, another premiership to be honest another premiership almost uh, slip away they've they've been in that many of the big dances and I know they had two stripped off them but I think they would actually probably be a little disappointed um, with their strike rate in the grand final. If you ask Cameron Smith and Craig Bellamy what they thought of, of it, um, I think they the competitiveness in them would say that they would want more than what they've got. Uh, you're damn right. And I would just like to point out, please don't ever apologize for a dad joke. I'm all about them. <laughs> um, like, give me more. Let's get into the above the horizontal awards. Let's go into the best match, which uh, for me was between the Sharks and the Warriors. I was really hoping for the Warriors to win that one because it would have made Tim's question uh, to us a bit more relevant, I suppose. You know, like because like suddenly, you know, the Sharks might not have been in our top eight rankings. The Warriors would have been a legitimate chance of making the top eight, but uh, alas, uh, the last I don't know. 10 minutes or so the Sharks put on 12 points to uh, sorry 10 points to run away 22 to 14 victors but um 
just I'm really liking watching the Warriors play this year. What was your best match, Kieran? I had the same. I had the same game in in what was a, a finals intensity battle with both sides tussling for the last final spot on the line. Um, as you mentioned, I did pick that up. Um, the momentum swung massively in this game for periods with the Sharks starting hot, then the Warriors coming back and the Sharks finishing with a canter. The Sharks' forward pack in the end proved the difference, and there was even delightful, a delightful play of Sean Johnson one on one stepping past RTS. Yeah, that was. Uh... That was nice to see a bit of a throwback for Sean Johnson, who's been serving a lot of uh, a lot of his teammates this year with tries. But one uh, see, seeing him do that himself was yeah, was, uh, was, was a cool. nice throwback. He's one of my favorite players actually to watch Sean Johnson when he's when he's like that. Um, used to love watching him play. Bit of the touch footy in him. Uh, the best moment, speaking of people that would be very handy at touch footy, uh, Hamaso Tabuifido <laughs> crossing in the fourth minute. To give the Cowboys the early ascendancy. That was literally the best moment of the <laughs> round for me. Uh, the worst moment is yet to come. <laughs> Kieran, what was your best moment of round 18? Uh, that makes me think that we could have the same the same worst moment. But my best moment was um, the fact that Corey, Cody Ramsey, sorry, his double on debut and his mum's reaction and interview about said double as someone that loves competing in sport myself i know how much it would mean to be able to perform to the best of my ability and then have my parents unequivocal support on show so i can only imagine what it would have meant for ramsey doing it in the nrl televised nationally and even worldwide with family and friends all watching yeah there's a couple of stories there one did you did you see where he was streaking away to score that third and it was called back her yeah reaction? yeah yeah, she's not happy. <laughs> uh, and also, did you hear about the? Uh, and we're not a betting podcast, and we of course encourage yeah. everyone to gamble responsibly. But did you, hear, did you hear about the forty mates that put him on for yep. the first try scorer? I calculated it would have been fifty six k all up if the stats in that were right. I think it was forty friends at um, first try scorer for a hundred dollars. You said, yeah, and 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 they won fourteen dollars per dollar so fourteen dollar odds each so uh yeah. cheeky fourteen hundred dollars to each person that's <laughs> uh that's a very he's not gonna have to shout anyone ever uh for a long time <laughs> um after winning them that much money the worst moment i think you and i will line up on this one so my best moment was hamisto tabuai fido crossing in the fourth minute to give the cowboys the earliest sentence here of the storm the worst moment was Maguire getting sin binned uh, about a minute later for verbal abuse of an official and losing a certain win for the cowboys kieran what is your worst moment um, I thought I, I'd blocked out this game, and initially I just had that Maguire Simbin, but I had pretty much the whole Cowboys first half performance. Um, the Cowboys brain explosion after going up 4-0 against the Storm in Sunday's 4pm game. From Maguire's Simbinning offense to four of the softest tries ever conceded in the NRL, and to be honest, that's not an overreaction. Hopefully we will never see that again at this level. Yeah, and there's no excuse for it. Like you can you can roll a bunch of reserve graders out there if you want to, but realistically, they should be at the very least able to man up in the middle of the park. You should not have a prop forward going over untouched under the post. Ten meter like holes, that. yeah. Just oh yeah. yeah, absolutely incredible stuff. It was it was disgusting. You can tell that we're Cowboys fans. Um, <laughs> we, we, we really need Miles here to balance us out a little bit. Um, my MVP goes to Hammers. No, no. Um, my, my MVP <laughs> is actually a bit of a surprising one, I think. Um, not many people would choose him. Uh, I, I couldn't help but notice that 
with a lot of things that were going right for the Raiders on the weekend, that George Williams was just having these classy little moments. Like He's the kind of guy that digs into a line. He has a wonderful little kicking game, good passing game, uh, great footwork, good speed, um, and, and seems to have good vision as well. Knows when to pull the trigger. So um, I, I thought he was bloody excellent against the Dragons, and uh, Jack Whiten will take all the headlines, as he does, but... George Williams was my MVP. I'm really liking his style recently. Who's your MVP? Uh, I didn't have George Williams, but I think he's right up there for for signing of the season. Um, I I could have nearly had the entire Sharks pack for their effort in the second half against the Warriors. However, however, I've actually gone for Dylan Edwards for his performance against the Eels. He has quietly become one of the better fullbacks in the game, particularly with his kick returns and his positional awareness, which he then uses to... Uh, he then utilizes his low center of gravity plus agility to regularly beat one or two would-be tacklers on every return. He ran for 338 meters from 30 carries, um, which just shows his phenomenal work rate and the true talent that he is. These days with my sore ankle, I'm flat out running 338 meters at all. So uh, that's, <laughs> that's a wonderful effort from Edwards there. And uh It'd be interesting to see. We've already done our top five fullbacks. We're going to do our top five centers later this episode. Um, I'd be very interested to see in maybe four or five years if if Dylan Edwards can crack into our top five fullbacks. He's he's a bit of a talent. My unsung hero is Siosifa Talakai from the Sharks. I, I've been noticing uh, that the Sharks seem like a better team when they've got him out there. And I'm a bit of a fan of Britton Nakora. I think he's quite a good player on that right edge for the Sharks. But whenever they have Talakai on, the Sharks just seem to go to another level. The dude's a wrecking ball. And you can play him on the right or the left. Uh, and mm. he's he's just... He can play in the centers because he has a fair bit of pace for a big fella as well. But he, he's just... He's electrifying. He, he reminds me very much of Conrad Harrell, but he can tackle. Um, <laughs> so I would I would say that's... Harrell was a, was a very, very tough player to tackle and and i i do intend that well, to be high praise for talakai um yeah so he's my unsung hero i think he's been one of the sharks better players since, since getting more of a run in their team who is your unsung hero um just to touch on uh i, I can't pronounce his i can't actually remember his first name to, to even try to pronounce it but talakai um i had an argument with a mate a couple of weeks ago just saying um we were talking about both about how good he is and then i said yeah how good is it that he can play center and uh, play forward and play wherever, but he's been awesome at center the last few weeks. And my mate um, told me I was crazy for thinking that he was a center. Um, but that just just goes to show the versatility of the bloke, that he can play both of those positions just as well um, as each other. Uh, for Unsung Hero, I don't actually have a Sharks forward, even though I mentioned them in the MVP award. Um, honorable mention to all of them. Connor Tracy, I have, who attacked the line with nearly every run and with vigor and determination, almost breaking the line with every run. This all from a a youngster who had a troubled start to life in the NRL with very indifferent form, I believe. Um, As I remember one game in particular against the Dragons, and a lot of us were talking about him in the chat um, and that game in general, and he had a a really troublesome afternoon. I think he dropped the ball once or twice and and threw a couple of forward passes, and I I, I thought, geez, this kid could already uh, be looking um, at other jobs because I don't know how how, uh, soon he'll get another gig in the NRL with Sean Johnson and Chad Townsend ahead of him. Um, Yes, Sean Johnson was instrumental once more against the Warriors, but I would argue Tracy had just as much impact on the outcome of this result as Johnson. 
and he gets maybe a third of the plaudits that Johnson is, probably less than that, actually. So a good choice, uh, nice. Connor Tracy. A Sharks junior that went to the Rabbitohs, uh, had a couple of okay games for the Rabbitohs, actually, filling in in the halves there for them, and then coming back to the Sharks. Time for the wildcard award, Kieran. Uh, my wildcard award this week is the Snakes and Ladders Award, which goes <laughs> to the Parramatta Eels, who appear determined... <laughs> who appear determined to live up to the reputation of their snake brethren from the famous board game by sliding further and further out of premiership contention, despite not actually going that far down the proverbial ladder, if you will. Uh, but to, to have me put him at fifth, uh, put them at fifth in the, in the premiership ranking, and for you to have them at sixth, despite the fact they're in the top four, I think says a lot about their form. So uh, the Eels win the Snakes and Ladders Award this week what is your wildcard award um mine is and this sounds like an insult but just bear with me i i promise it's not but i have the, the nick kyrgios award for the nrl's favorite loser which goes to the warriors so to explain <laughs> kyrgios and the warriors are typically both hard to like brilliant one week and then terrible the next the warriors have missed out on the finals this season making them arguably the biggest loser loser of the season at this stage however just like nick kyrgios they have risen from their usual mediocrity and displayed a determination seldom seen from the club that has enamored the club into the eyes of all rugby league fans in their tenacious yet unfortunately unsuccessful push for a top eight spot to make the finals i like very Many people actually, um, actually, am a member of two clubs this season. I'm a member of the Cowboys and a like, you know, a distant star fan or whatever they used to call them. <laughs> uh, and I am a member of the Warriors. Uh, there was a bit of a push to, you know, if anyone has some spare dollars to support the Warriors financially if they could, and and I jumped on board. And I've got to say, oh, they've nice. they've represented my my uh, my hard earned dollars well, uh, and I I'm certainly among the growing number of people that would have them as their second favorite team. Thanks for that, Kieran. Let's jump into this week's controversial take or some above the horizontal thinking, if you will, as we rank the five best centers in the game. And uh, Miles, uh, unfortunately, couldn't get the uh, carrier pigeon all the way to Brisbane to send us through <laughs> his, his five choices. So it's just you and me, my friend. Let's see if we can do ourselves proud uh, by naming the, our top five. My number five is a guy that has played for what feels like an eternity. It feels like he's been playing since the 80s and 90s, and that's probably because his namesake, he always, often gets confused with him from the Canberra Raiders. They, he gets confused with Jason Croker. It is Jared Croker, the, the, the club's top point scorer, possibly the, the competition's greatest ever point scorer by the end of his career. He is just the kind of guy that week in, week out gives you a consistent performance. He, he has some attacking ability. He has some defensive ability. He's a great goal kicker. He's a good leader. Uh, he's led his team to a grand final uh, in recent times and, and a couple of years before that to a preliminary final. He, um, he's my number five, Jared Croker. Who is your number five best center in the competition? Um, so we had the, the same team for our, our power rankings at number eight, and we've got the same player for our, our centers at number five. I've also gone Jared Croker. Um, I I love the guy. I, I think every week, like you said, um, he, he performs. He has a, at least a seven out of ten game. Very solid. Um, 
yeah, there's not a whole lot more I want to say. Um, I think his his displays on the field are are exemplary of of himself. Um, yeah, class player. I actually uh, I can't remember the exact story, but even off the field, there was a there was something that put a smile on my face. It was he heard about some fan or something that wasn't doing too well or wasn't able to get. Uh, his headgear or, or something. It was some. Anyway, he turned up at this kid's house like midweek oh, wow. and to to sign some headgear and kick the footy around with him for a little bit. And this was obviously before COVID times, where he was allowed to do this sort of stuff. Uh, <laughs> and it was just a, a video that ended up on social media and and all the nice pages. And, and Jared Croker actually seems like a really good guy, so I'm happy to have him at number five. And I'm glad you do too, because we are super cute. Let's see if we match <laughs> up with our number fours. Um, my number before is Michael Jennings, uh, someone that's had somewhat of a career renaissance uh, since moving to the Parramatta Eels, particularly this year. The kind of guy that would not look out of place in a sky blue jersey at the end of the year. I don't think it'll happen because uh, Jack Whiten will probably have that centre spot locked up, but he has been in, in terrific form and, and the form of Mike Acevo, particularly when the Eels were firing earlier in the year, um, is is really quite something. I probably would have had him higher up the list in about round 12. Uh, but, you know, obviously the last few rounds, the Eels haven't gone that great. The attacking, he hasn't been getting as much quality ball and it's sort of yeah. pulling back to the field a bit. So I've got Michael Jennings at number four. Who is your number four? <laughs> I too have Michael Jennings at number yes. four. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he, he utilizes his speed brilliantly, and he was a bit like Jared Croker, actually, I, I forgot to mention. Um, in, early in his career, I thought this guy's kind of a one-trick pony, where I, I thought Jared Croker wasn't quite um, able to produce a really good form. He, he has, um, every now and then, some really good play that, that really surprises me. I, I don't think he's capable of, and Michael Jennings is the same. He's able to, to really utilize his speed and evasiveness um, a lot better than uh, he doesn't do it consistently, but when he does do it, um, it's brilliant. And, and this year, actually, to, to be honest, he has been doing it consistently. Even in a struggling side the last few weeks, I've still been impressed with Michael Jennings' performances. Um, and that's why I had to have him at least number four. I, I agree with you as well. If, if the Eels' um, form hadn't dropped, I would have him higher on this list as well. But we don't, and we continue to be cute. I'm very curious, like, if, <laughs> if, if we line up for our top three, though, I will be genuinely shocked. <laughs> my number three is uh, a new kid on the block, uh, Stephen Crichton from the Paramount, uh, from the, oh, I beg your pardon, they would hate me out west <laughs> for saying that, from the Penrith Panthers, Stephen Crichton. Uh, he... I wasn't as sold on him at the start of the season. Everyone kept talking about the Stephen Crichton, and I kept looking at Bradman Best and thinking that Bradman Best was the better of the two. Uh, but I've come around. Obviously, Bradman Best being injured hasn't helped his case, but I've seen some stuff from Stephen Crichton that I've thought really, really elevates him to this level. And there was actually a moment, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, it may have been against the Broncos, and there was nothing like they, it was like a fifth tackle. They've spread it out to Crichton. He's basically getting pushed towards the sideline as he has a player on him. He drops the ball onto his left boot and grubbers it into the end goal to force a repeat set. Just things like that. Uh, I just I look at that and I go, holy shit! This guy's nineteen. Like <laughs> he could he could be anything. Like, he's physically just beautiful to look at like he's he is gonna be an absolute star uh so 
I think he already is, actually. And if the Panthers go on and win this comp, don't be surprised if you see someone like Stephen Crichton pop up in a sky blue jersey because, you know, when it comes to end-of-season tours and stuff like that, they often pick from the Premiership-dominant sites. And he has been very dominant for that, para- for that Panthers side. I've got to stop saying Parramatta. Uh, the Panthers <laughs> side. So uh, Stephen Crichton is number three from the Penrith Panthers. Who is your number three? Uh, so I actually used a different metric to make my um, top five. Uh, honestly, if, if I hadn't used this, I, I would have had Stephen Crichton in at number three as well. But I've actually gone Campbell Graham, who's been excellent for a while now. Uh, this season he's gone up uh, another notch, I believe, in another star-studded backline, boasting the likes of Latrell and uh, a Marone's form like Gagai, pr- now producing it at club level. Um, get, I, I feel like Graham is almost guaranteed, guaranteed a try every other week. Um, and just the lines he runs, the holes he hits, and he has not not that evasiveness, but yeah, as I said, those those lines he runs, and then speed off the mark, he's, he's quite fast for a, a tall, lanky fella. Um, I really like him, and uh, that's why he's my number three. Well, not because I like him, but I think his form suggests he should be number three. <laughs> it's like, I just like the cut of his jib, so he's number three, all right? Uh, <laughs> no, that's it, a, a very fine choice, actually. I, 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 you know, I when I was putting together my list, I have to admit, Campbell Graham didn't even make my top ten, to be honest. Oh. Uh, but that's hardly a slight when you think of the nine that are above him. Uh, he he's been really really good. You're you're dead right about that. I've got a bit of a controversial one for number two, I think, and I think it's someone that probably wouldn't sit inside many top tens uh, if people did the same list. I've got Peter Hiku at number oh, yeah. two. For the Warriors, uh, I think Peter Hiku is the best right center. Oh, actually, no, he's second best right center. I got my my wires <laughs> crossed there. Um, I was just trying to work out which side that someone plays on. Uh, no, he, he is absolutely not the best right center. He's the second best in my opinion. Uh, I, I think you can really point to the fact that I mean his form has been tremendous. He, he reminds me very much of of a Matthew Gidley. Uh, in the in the way that he can get outside his man, draw in the winger, and just get this impossible pass away. And he does it very, very consistently. And the guys that are playing outside him, which previously have been guys like David Fusitua, but are now guys like Patrick Herbert, uh, are, are benefiting very directly from playing outside Pedahiku, and they're looking like world beaters. And it's because of the outstanding service that he gives. So I... We'll go with Petahiku at number two. Who is yours? Um, I've got someone who I'm not actually the biggest fan of, but I just think on his raw talent alone that I have seen, uh, when he does produce it, I had to have him in the top five. So I've, I've got him at number two for, for what he can do. Um, I've got Joey Manu. Given, given his inconsistent form, I, I couldn't have him as number one. But when he is on, he's brilliant, and he always turns up in big games, which, which cemented um, the number two spot for me. And Joey Manu is my number one. That was who I was, I was just like, nah, he's a, he's a right center. Yeah, definitely a right center. No, so Joey, <laughs> Joey Manu is my number one. Uh, I, I think I'm interested to flesh out that little bit from you actually saying that you're not really much of a fan of him. What's, what's the story there? Uh, I just think he's very inconsistent. You see his, his best moments and I go, I just wonder like if he can do that, at any given moment, it seems it seems to me that he can produce like the when they played the Dragons earlier this season, he leapt over I don't know who, but 
Actually, it might have just been Dufty, but all the same, yeah. it was awesome to watch. Yeah, both hands up in the air, AFL-style catch, um, came down and then flicked it without even looking to, to Jared Warrior Hargreaves. And you don't – I mean, obviously that's not going to come out every week, but I just – I don't see enough from him in attack week to week to, to think, wow, this guy is easily the best center in the game for me. Well, he does for me, so <laughs> so I've got I've got him at number one. Uh, I I think like you know obviously a dual premiership winner, uh, a, a bigger part in those premiership wins than I think people give him credit for. Um, so I mean like you know I've left out guys like Bradman, Best, James Roberts, Katoni, Stag, Zach Lomax, Josh Morris out of my top five, and that didn't feel good for a bunch of those. <laughs> Uh, and Campbell Graham, as we talked about. So, um, <laughs> Joey Manu, he sneaks in there at number one for me. Uh, he's He's been really tremendous. Uh, who is your number one? Uh, I've got someone who um, you didn't have in your in your top five at all, um, but he's exceeded my expectations with th- this season with his form, and this will probably suggest who I've picked, but his form impervious to, to his age or, or aging. Um, I've got Josh Morris, who's producing mm. some of the best form he ever has even standing out some weeks in a star-studded rooster's side i said earlier in the year on the pod that himself and his brother have been the difference in some games for the roosters and that has not changed i don't believe um attack and defense the man is a a 7 out of 10 minimum every single week and so that's why he's my number one (laughs) that's a fantastic choice uh thank you very much all right kieran let's jump into the tips for round 19 uh, we're getting right to the, the pointy end of the season. This is the penultimate round, actually. So only two more to go. Kieran, if you could start us off with the Rabbitohs versus the Bulldogs on Thursday evening. Uh, so to, to run through a bit of the, the team list, as we do every week, we've got Jackson Paula returning in the place of da- Dane Gagai out through suspension. And here's another, another dad joke. After not choosing to fight his charge, apologies for the terrible pun, um, and Hame Sele replaces Patrick Mayo on the bench. Totola may come into the squad if he can prove his fitness in time. For the Dogs, Lafay comes in at centre with Dallin Wateni Zelezniak to the wing and a hard done by Mini dropped. Playing outside Remus Smith, he was afforded no ball versus the Eagles and I, I don't know if I agree with this decision, uh, but I digress. Anyway, uh, Chris Smith goes to lock with Dury out and Jackson moves to an edge who makes his 200th NRL appearance. The Rabbitohs still look a little too vulnerable at times for my liking, as shown against the Tigers, who fought back brilliantly. However, I've got them winning this one with ease to the tune of 16 points or more. Yep, I'd probably agree with that. I I think the Bulldogs have... I mean, it's bizarre to say that they've overachieved uh, when they've won two games <laughs> this season, but I, I feel like they've been in a lot of contests they probably shouldn't have been when you look at them on paper. Um, but you know, they've, they've lost like seven games by less than six points. I heard the other day. So like they, they've, they've been really sticking it out, but I just think the Rabbitohs will, you know, Wayne Bennett will start to tune these guys to, to really gear up for finals now. And I, th- I think it's time for them to flex their muscles a bit. So I'll also go for the Rabbitohs. I'll take the, uh, Cowboys and Panthers on Friday evening at Queensland Country Bank Stadium. So our beloved Cowboys. Kieran. <laughs> uh, well, like, the good news is that Jason Tamalolo has a chance of returning. Uh, he's been named in the uh, jersey number 18, yeah. uh, but obviously we'll do a fitness test. Uh, they've got uh, Murray Talangi uh, replacing 
Justin O'Neill at centre, while Corey Jensen will start at prop with Francis Molo uh, moving to lock for the foul-mouthed Josh McGuire. Um, <laughs> yeah. John Asiata is also suspended, so Emre Pere and debutante Ben Condon have been called up, uh, while Gavin Cooper and Tom Gilbert may well do that swap thing they've been doing the last few times. The Panthers... Uh, have named Mitch Kenny a bit of a makeshift hooker um, because Appy Coruscant, uh had a head knock last week. Um, James Tamo and Zane Tedavano have also been given a break, so they've got a few little changes there. They're trying to freshen up a little bit. It's you know, I mean, it's a tough road trip for the Panthers, and I think I I really think the Panthers need a loss. I just don't think the Cowboys have got the talent to, de- to deliver it. So, <laughs> so I'm going to go for the Panthers. Uh, what say you? I had the uh, the Cowboys before the team list came out. I just I thought the Panthers need a loss, and I, I kind of was feeling a, uh, a Cowboys upset, especially the way we came back in the second half. Our defense was still shit, but I, I really did like our attack. Um, it didn't look as fluid as I, I'd like it to be, but I thought maybe that's enough to beat the Panthers next week who haven't been at the be- their best lately. Um, but I just think the, the Cowboys squad looks a bit too lean on experience, especially the bench. Um, so I've got the Panthers winning. Yeah, w- when you're so close to the top of your uh, footy tipping competition, there's no need to take unnecessary risks like that. <laughs> uh, no one's tipping the Cowboys, mate. I think you're safe. Uh, there's also another Friday night game between the Eels and the Broncos, which will be held in Sydney. The Eels, it doesn't look like they're they're resting many players. Reid Marnie is expected to be back, uh, so that's good news for them. Will Smith remains on the bench. Uh, it'll be interesting to see um, how much game time Jai Field gets. Uh, he hasn't stood up as much as I hoped he would. I, I quite like him as a player. Um, but as I said, they, they're going sideways a lot. They, they really need to straighten up that attack, and, and Will Smith... You know, not the most talented player going around, but is creative and has the red hot go. So, with him on the bench there, they could be a swap at 5'8. The Broncos, well, they've got Payne Haas out with family reasons. Uh, Reese Kennedy suspended. So, they've got Ben Teo and Joe Offerhan Gowie uh, in the starting lineup. Sean O'Sullivan's been dropped. Uh, Brody Croft suffered a head knock at training. So, Tyson Gamble is going to start in the halves. Uh, look, the Eels will win this game. <laughs> yeah, like sure. Yeah, I I agree completely. Uh, I, and I echo what you said about uh, Jai Field. Uh, I thought he would step up a little bit more. He he hasn't been bad, but I I really like his speed and uh, he, he seems to pop up in the right areas at the right time. Um, I do see that the Eels surely coming back into a bit of better form as well, which is just terrible news for the Broncos. <laughs> they kind of need to. So uh, yeah, Eels win for that one. Uh, could you talk us through the Seagulls and Titans on Saturday afternoon? So in big news for Manly, Tommy Turbo could return. Um, and if so, it would just about settle who wins this one for me. Uh, he just needs to pass some final tests to play. Uh, Fanua Blake, who announced today that he'll be leaving Manly on compassionate grounds at season's end, could also play, along with Ruben Garrick returning. Croker comes in for Cust and Levi Toker with Waddell on the bench. Proctor returns for the Titans in place of the impressive, however, injured Fermor. Tana Boyd gets another shot, replacing Aaron Clark on the bench, and Brian Kelly could also return, meaning Spree, I believe it's pronounced, would drop out. 
the Titans are aiming for four wins in a row for the first time since 2014. And if, if Tommy Turbo doesn't play, I, I believe they will make it four in a row. Uh, it, even if he does play, I, I probably actually am leaning slightly towards the Titans. So, yeah, that's my pick. I've got the Titans for this one. I, uh, I see your Tommy Turbo, potential Tommy Turbo, yeah. and I raise you a Corey Thompson. So... Uh, the, the, the <laughs> yeah. Titans for me, I would, I would definitely suggest. Uh, I'll take the next game, which is between the Storm and the Tigers. As we talked about, Pappenhausen uh, nowhere to be seen for the Storm. Brandon Smith may return. Uh, Christian Welch is also back. He comes in at prop uh, with Nelson Asopa Solomona going to lock, and then Tino Fa'asua Maliawi uh, to the bench. So a few little changes there, but. Uh, not enough to really disrupt them against a Tigers team that just... I don't know, they, they were pretty brave in that second half against against the Rabbitohs. But I can't see them doing a great deal. And if they if they let the Storm go out to the same lead they, they granted the Rabbitohs and the Sea Eagles, I, I can't see it being good news for them. So Storm for me, uh, who do you have? Yeah, I, I mean, I've spoken plenty about how impressed I am with the Storm, and as impressive as those comebacks were by the Tigers against the Seagulls and uh, the Rabbitohs, um, I, I can't see that them coming clawing that back again, and I think the Storm will get out to a, an early lead and, and carry on with it and win by uh, a sizable amount. I'll take the last game of the evening between the Roosters and the Sharks. So... I just, if the Sharks are going to mount some sort of claim for premiership triumph here, it <laughs> needs to start this week. The Roosters are resting players, uh, namely James Tedesco. Um, they've got Joey Manu playing at fullback with Mitch Orbison in the centres. So if you're if you're going to attack and 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 beat the storm, uh, sorry, beat the Roosters here. It's got to be now for the Sharks. They they have to they have to put forward their their premiership claims. I don't think they will. Co C O Taikaoho is also out, um, but they've got Jerry Wabia Hargraves coming back, so that's hardly respite. Um, <laughs> so uh, and they've got Angus Crichton and Sonny Bill Williams on the bench. Like oh seriously, like <laughs> this is a, this is a good team. Uh, I I will say the Roosters to beat the Sharks here. Um, what do you reckon? Yeah, I I was so impressed with Sonny Bill against the Knights on the weekend. I honestly, after his performance against the Raiders, I thought, oh geez, the the Roosters have made it. And I believed it before that, like even when there was rumours before he played, I, I thought this is not the the right signing that you want to make when you're going for a three peat, um, going for a 35 year old as good as he is. But he really uh, impressed me on Saturday. Um, and yeah, the, their whole squad is just ridiculous. I, I can't see how the Sharks can beat them. And you have the Sunday afternoon game between the Raiders and the Warriors. Um, so so Havili starts at hooker for the Raiders with Starling shifted to the bench. Sia Soliola could return from a bad facial fracture. Um, and the Warriors out of finals contention now lose Alvaro and George Jennings, plus Tonua Brown suspended. Adam Kieran starts at centre and Heze Perum on the wing with what is surely the, the Warriors' only fit 17 players left to field unless Gus Gould decides he wants a run. Um, the Raiders have scored 34 <laughs> points or more in four of their past five games. And whilst the Warriors will be no walkovers, I've got the, the Raiders by 8 to 16 points. 
yeah, what I what I expect to see is a lot of heart from the Warriors, uh, but not a whole lot of execution. And the Raiders, if we are to be right at, at, with them being potentially a dark horse for this premiership, they need to strike here. So so I expect them to have a, a really strong game. Uh, I've got the Knights and the Dragons, which is the last game of the round, which is in Newcastle. Uh, they, re- they welcome back Kalen Ponga, who hopefully will have uh, recovered nicely from his uh, little rest for his head knocks. They've also bringing back Mitch Barnett yeah. uh, and Heimel Hunt, I believe, is also coming back in. Um, so Kurt Mann is a suspended, uh, and Mason Lenor has been dropped, which is quite interesting. Which means that Tex Hoy gets a go at the halves, uh, which 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 could be really good. Um, he he seems like a really good player. The Dragons, uh, they have Tarek Sims returning from a shoulder injury, um, and they're gonna give Max Figai, I believe, would be that that's how you pronounce it, or Figay. Uh, he's he's a center. He'll be debuting from the bench uh, with Terrell Fuimaano being dropped. Uh, again, it's it's the same sort of thing. The Dragons have not got a lot to play for, so they'll they'll throw some young guys in there, Cody Ramsey and, and the likes, to um, to have a bit of enthusiasm and try and win this that way. But the Knights really should be gearing up for finals football. They should be starting to really click and execute, uh, and I would expect them to get the job done here. What do you reckon? Yeah, I have to echo that as well. I think I said it in my uh, power rankings. I, I do expect the, the Knights to be raring to go for the finals, and I think they'll be able to put that into action on the field. Um, Pong is back, like you said. I really like Tex Hoy at, at six as well, um, although I think Lino being dropped is a little harsh, but uh, yeah, the Knights will have too much for the Dragons. All right, and the last bit of the night is making our bold predictions, Kieran. Uh, you've proven to be far better at these than I <laughs> Uh, let's see if I can get some shivers as as you pump out your bold prediction for this round. I've gone with a really basic one. I think six home teams will win. Done. Okay. So I think it'll but, be everyone. I'm not going to go into specifics, but I think everyone except for the Cowboys and the Seagulls will win their home games. Uh, but let's just call it six home teams because if the Cowboys and Seagulls win <laughs> and I still get six, I'm going to take it, okay? So, <laughs> so six home teams. Uh, Miles, as I said, didn't send through his carrier pigeon, so uh, we don't know what his bowl prediction was. So what is yours? Uh, I've gone with something quite similar. I have every top eight side to win except for the Sharks. So in the end, I think uh, we're kind of predicting the same sort of results. Okay, yeah, well, we did We did have, obviously, very similar tips uh, this week. I think all the same, actually. Uh, thank you very much, Kieran. If anyone wants to get in contact with us, like like Tim did, uh, if you could email AboveTheHorizontalNRL at gmail.com, get in touch with us on, on Facebook at AboveTheHorizontal, or our Twitter handle is HorizontalAbove, um, because that's fun. <laughs> that was a fun thing we decided to do. Um and if you want to send through any questions or, or get in contact with us, let us know how crap our predictions are, etc., etc. <laughs> um, get angry at Bo for leaving Katoni Staggs out of his top five and Kieran for that matter. I, I want to make sure that I rope Kieran into that as well. Please let us know. Uh, we'd, we'd love to interact with, with our listeners. And, and, and thanks very much for your continued listenership. And thank you very much, Kieran, for your time this evening. And as always, go the Cowboys. This is going to kill uh, Chris, but go the Denver Nuggets.
Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Your regular panellists are Miles Steadman and Kieran Gibson. Our theme song is Tough Nut by Ryan Cross. I'm Bo Nicholson.